Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Certainly is good to be in the house of the God, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Welcome, everyone. I know the teenagers are headed off to the youth class, and uh, I know for Sunday school, if you'd like to, you can move up and move in a little bit closer. Um, I'm going to do my best not to spit on you. That's very inappropriate at all times, especially in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic. Amen. But I do feel, have felt led of God to talk to us this morning about a specific topic. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. How many of you enjoyed that great teaching from Sister Monk last week? She is more than a competent Bible teacher, and uh, she is very, very gifted and anointed to teach the Word of God. Turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to read a very familiar portion of Scripture. To our E family, I welcome you. Wish you were here. Amen. And uh, understand that some of you cannot be here. Some of you have made the choice to not be here, and uh, we respect that, but we certainly, we, we don't want to forsake the assembly of ourselves together, amen? And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, the apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Tell your neighbor, he's not perfect, but neither are you. But I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to, a, to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the, those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect-minded, right, that word translated perfect in most other translations is mature, be mature-minded, be thus-minded. And if in anything you be otherwise-minded, God shall reveal this unto you. Aren't you thankful for the revelation of the Lord? Amen. Nevertheless, verse 16, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. Another most, almost every other translation uses the word citizenship in the place of conversation. That word is translated throughout the New Testament as lifestyle, conversation, citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even, I lost my place, even to subdue all things unto himself. I've got a glare right here on my iPad, right, amen, unto himself, 
verse, chapter 4, verse 1. I apologize. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. Give one neighbor a fist pump. I know that was a quite, quite a lengthy portion of Scripture, uh, a very long reading of Scripture, but I want to try to use that this morning and see how far we get into this. I want to talk to us about breaking the spirit of complacency. Now, complacency has always been something that the church has had to deal with. It's not a new thing in society, in life, and it's certainly not a new thing in the church. It's the same old thing that Paul was dealing with in the first century. It's just wrapped in a different box, maybe got a prettier bow on it. But I want you to know, because you already understand this, but I want to bring an awareness to it, that complacency is an extremely dangerous and incredibly destructive spirit. At times, it's more prevalent in the church and in society in our life than at other times. And probably even to go a step further and be a little more specific, complacency adds or brings danger into every area of life. But that idea or the spirit of complacency is even more dangerous when we start talking about spiritual complacency. Complacency is one thing, but spiritual complacency kind of moves it to an entire different level. Uh, the great preacher from the, uh, the late 18th century, early 19th century, A.W. Tozer, uh, he, he said this. He said, complacency is a deadly foe of all spiritual growth. He went on in his writing to make a, a statement that I find, uh, I find really kind of a bold statement. He said, only one in a thousand Christians reveals any real or true passionate thirst for God. I read that, I kind of said, okay, hold on a second, one in a thousand. And, and now I kind of, I look around and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe we're the exception. But if that were true, and, and certainly this learned man, this great writer and great preacher studied in his time, and he, he lived up about, up about to the time where I was born in the mid-60s. He was, he was born in that late 18th century and watched that time. And in that time, I would say from my perspective that America was probably a more God-centric nation than it is now. And in his day, he said only one in a thousand show any true passion for Jesus Christ. And so the question this morning for us, this question for you and I, is where would you put your passion on a scale? If we had a, a scale here, if we made sure that it was a, a secret ballot that you could rate your own tendency for complacency, your own, your, own, uh, your own propensity for complacency, how would you put yourself on that scale? 75? I, I, complacency hits about 25% in my life, but passion's about 75. You know, maybe, maybe you would make it 80, maybe you'd, maybe you'd make it 50, maybe you're half and half, maybe in there. But how would someone else rate you? Where would others put you on that scale? If we've got passion on this side and complacency on this side, where would you end up in, in that? I, I don't know. You know, uh, the, the real question for us in this odd time, in this last, we're in this last part of 2020, the, the, the real question that we probably should ask ourselves is, have I, have you fallen victim to the spirit of complacency? Maybe that's not even a fair question in 2020. Maybe the right question is how much have we fallen 
victim to complacency. The, the bottom line is anyone can become complacent about anything at any time. I've been there. I've done that. I, I've got the T-shirt. I've got the, the battle scars to, to, approve, to, you know, to, conf, to prove it. I, I've been there. You've been there. We've got it. And we recognize that complacency is a dominant spirit in our society, in our age, and it affects the church. But as I began to kind of dig into this, I know what complacency is. You know what complacency is. But I, I went to Brother Webster and said, define this for me. And I, I found a couple of other different you know, definitions. And I wanted to look at this idea of complacency. And when I began to dig in it, I found that complacency is always marked by self-satisfaction. It comes when we get satisfied with what we've done or what we've become. Our humanity becomes satisfied with the status or the position that we've attained. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is kind of dangerous. I'm at that stage in life, Brother Savati. I've, I've accomplished a few things. I've got, I've, got, I've got a few notches on the belt. I've done some things. I've I got some things I can be proud of. And if I'm not careful, complacency can, 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 can slip in. And if that's true in, in my life, how much more can it be true in my spiritual life? I, I, I'm, I'm closing in on the, I, I'm on the downside of four decades in the church. I've been saved way longer than I was lost. This is, this is uh, that person that I was back, back in the 80s and 90s, that Brother Steve, he doesn't exist anymore, to be honest with you. Jesus Christ has made so much change in my life that people don't even remember who I was. But the second part of that is probably, to me, even more, Brother Henry said, well, I remember. But the second part of that is probably even more dangerous, that, that self-satisfied person, that one of that humanity, they began to let their guard down because they've achieved some stuff. And that, that second part of that definition is a lack of awareness. And spiritually, you know, like I said, we've got some corn in the crib. We've got some battles that have been fought. We've got some victories that have been won. And now, if we're not careful, that awareness or that lack of awareness begins to creep in. And this awareness actually is a dangerous place for the church to be. We're aware of what we've done, but we're not aware of what's going on in the spirit realm. I want to be in tune with what's going on in my church because right here is where my spirit lives and where I'm being fed. And I know what's going on in Living Hope. I want to tap into that vein and say, what's going on in Living Hope? Well, I'm telling you, complacency is a part of our society. It's a part of our world, and it is a part of our church. And there really is a scale, and only you can move that scale one way or another, but it's your decision. And so those things that stand out, complacency in the, in the mind of a child of God, it can come in in so many different areas. But where I see it the most, where it stands out the most to me, is in the attitude of a person. That's where complacency comes in. Attitude is how you approach whatever you're going to approach. It, it can, it, it, it's seen in our devotion. It, it shows up in our prayer or lack of prayer. It, it finds its way into our giving and our sacrifice. And, and finally, it begins to manifest itself in attendance. And then you watch. There's just about every other spiritual matter begins to just suffer a little bit. The just little creeping thing that goes in. I, rem I remember back in the book of Genesis, God created the creeping thing. And I, I said, Lord, why would you create the creeping thing? We could have done without the creeping thing, right? But the, 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 the issue is complacency. You know, simply put, the, the people that are complacent have no fight left in them. 
It's one of the most frustrating things that I have witnessed over the years in the church. Whether it's my life or the lives of others, I believe at least in part one of the reasons for this is based on the conditions that are found in complacency of self-satisfaction. I'm pleased with how far I've come. I've got some accomplishments. I, I like the person that I am more than the person that I was. And so if I'm, not, if I'm not careful, I can become satisfied with where I'm at and I won't seek improvement, whether real or perceived. But that, that second component, that lack of awareness, where we become comfortable with church the way that it is and we come in and we're not aware of what's going on around us in the spiritual realm, I don't ever want to be in that place. But the truth is for every one of us, we've been there. We own that. We've done that. We've come in and we're, we're not where we ought to be spiritually. And the truth is there are spiritual things that are happening around us and we're not where we need to be. This book of Philippians was written from a, a Roman prison, prison and over and over in this letter Paul brings up the idea or the word of joy and he keeps showing us and it's more practical theology than we know because what happens in complacency is we become satisfied and we find our joy in the thing that we've accomplished or the thing that we've done or the thing that we become more than we do in the one who's taken us on the journey. This joy I have, we used to sing that song, right? The world didn't give it to me, but the world can't take it away. But the truth is, complacency has defeated more Christians than immorality, pride, and anger combined. Complacency. It's a real thing, right? And so Paul's concern in this passage is that the believers in Philippi, that they, they need to press forward. They need to grow in their spiritual maturity. Well, well, Brother Roberts, you know, you, you got some gray hair now. You're an elder now. You've accomplished some things. You've been around, you know, since Moby Dick was a minnow. You've, you're the, you know, you know whatever. I, I don't want to become comfortable with those things. Brother Haska caught him last week. He was that big, and we put him back. We're going to let him go into Moby. Yeah, he was not a very big one. But the question of the day in Philippi was no doubt they were dealing with some heretical teaching in that first century. Some, some false teachers had come in, and it was causing confusion. And some of those believers, those good people, were going back to their old lifestyles. And so the issue at Philippi was a spiritual issue, but the issue in the church today is a spiritual issue. The circumstance is, 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 is different. The, the situation is the same. The packaging has changed. The label is different, but the result is the same. Well, I, I'm just trying to be safe. Well, good, you be safe. But I promise you it's safer in the church than it is at Walmart. Amen. It's safer in the church than it is at Longhorn. I'm going to go so far as to say I think it's safer in the church than it is at McDonald's drive-thru. I don't go to McDonald's drive-thru, so I don't know, but... But, you know, we can put the excuse on it however we want to, but this false teaching caused these good people to stop moving forward. They lost the momentum. And the issue for the church in 2020 is not COVID. It's really not safety. It's not even the election. It's the loss of momentum. Because we've got this thing going on, and if we're not careful, it can defeat us right where we're at. 
And so these people that began to lose ground, we used to call that backsliding, they felt resolute in their conviction to return to their old lifestyle. They were justified in their thinking. And people today are making all kinds of decisions. And in their mind, their logic is sound and their judgment is good. But just like it was in their day, if we're not growing in our faith, we're sliding away from the will and the presence of God. There's no such thing in the kingdom of God as just staying where you are. You're either growing and moving forward or you're some degree complacency is allowing you to slide or to move back. And so I want to show you a couple of things about complacency before we dig into a, a, a resolution here. Notice, give me the next slide, Sister Ellen. Notice the designation that we read here when Paul says in verse 18, for many walk. We, we, we kind of think of this. I, I want you to kind of stop right there. Many are walking. These, he's talking about children of God. He's not talking about the lost, of whom I tell you often and now, even weeping that they, they are or they have become the enemies of the cross. Now, this is a label. And I, I began to read this, and, and we, we like to, I press for the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and we stop right there. But there's more to this verse. There's more to this scripture. And he says, to, there's some people, the reason that they become the enemy of the cross is that they've quit moving forward. And so there's a lot of things we could discuss. They're saved, they're not saved, but they're, they're walking. And so he gives them this label. And he begins to put a designation on them. And this, this idea of pressing on and, and, and leaders and, and moving into the spirit. And, and I don't want to, if I'm going to be labeled anything in the church, the last thing I want to be labeled is an enemy of the cross. Amen. I can't even imagine, Brother Henry, what, what it means to be an enemy of the cross. I mean, obviously the sinner who doesn't know God is not an enemy of the cross. They need the cross right? The only people that can really be the enemy of the cross are people who've experienced the benefit of the cross. And now they're not using that great provision that's been awarded them or been given to them, right? And so he says to this, he says they're labeled as the enemies of the cross. And so I want to be labeled, if anything, I want to be labeled a heretic for the cause, not for loss. Amen. I just find that astounding in my mind that you could be labeled as an enemy of the cross. But he gives us a description, and this description is four parts. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this this morning. I really want to get to a solution. Verse 19, they're described as those whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, and who set their minds on earthly things. And as the church, if we're not careful, we begin to read that, and we say, oh, that's the lost. We began, to, we began to read that, and we go, that's people that don't know God. But the reality is, he's writing this to saved people at the church in Philippi. And, and so this is a list of descriptions that are labeled as enemies of the cross, and it's a reflection of, of the complacent life of a believer. And so one of the most dangerous things for us in society is to be a part of the church and not be involved in the church. Because he talks about the end of his destruction, and we, all, well, we, begin, we automatically think that's talking about judgment of the, of the lost, because that's got to be the destruction, because there's going to be a great destruction, and so it's got to be them. But, but no, no. He, listen, there are people that are destroying the progress that they have made in their walk with Jesus Christ. He said the result, that's the end, is destruction. 
Listen, I, I want you to know, I remember, I remember that old church on Midway Drive. I will not even drive by that place. I'll drive several blocks out of my way. When I drive down Great Mills Road, I'll kind of look up that way. Yeah, it's still there, but I, I ain't mad about it, but I moved on from it. But I still remember that old horse trough we had down front. And I, I remember it was freezing cold in August. And, and I still remember going down in the name of Jesus for the remission of every one of my sins. And I, I remember as that, 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 that podium was here, I remember standing over there and Brother Lyon putting his hand on my head. And I remember stopped praying and said, I was talking in tongues. And he goes, yeah, ain't that cool? I remember the first time I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I remember those things. But but I don't want my end to be destruction. Brother Steve, I've come too far. I've won too many battles. I've got, Come on, somebody. Hear what I'm telling the church today. That we've come too far to go back now. This is not talking about the world. He's talking to the church. My end will not be destruction. My label will not be an enemy of the cross. I refuse that. I, I, I categorically deny that. I'm going to do everything in my power to not fall under this designation. He says their God is their belly. What are you talking about? Another way you would say that, their God is their flesh. Whew. Wow. There's a 2020 picture in the mind for you. Everywhere we look, right, it's all about my flesh. It's all about, right? And I get it. I, I, I want to be healthy. I, I want, but there's eternity. Right. I, I'm not living, right? I'm not living so that this body can live forever. Now, now I got some things I want to get accomplished, Lord. I'm not asking to go now, but let's just clear that up. But the, the reality is, right? This is not my God. This is not my God, how I think, how I feel, what I'm, that's not, listen, my, my, my flesh is not my God, but these individuals are being described as doing whatever they want in order to satisfy or gratify their own sinful desires. Well, yeah, that's the world. No, no, that's the church. They live for pleasure. They live, right? And if we're not careful, there's a, a real fine line between what we want to do and what God wants. And that spirit of complacency just kind of creeps in. It slithers in like an old nasty snake. And I... He said their, their glory is in their shame. Man, the world, man, they got a lot of shame in the world. And they just glorify. But what about the church? Well, Robert, you can't come here. You can't come here on, on, on a Sunday morning and tell us that there's a lot of shame in the church. No, there's a lot of shame in the church. And there's a lot of good people in the church that want to brag about their sin. They want to boast about their sin, right? They they want to they want to lift up what they're doing wrong. Oh, they, they may not even say it out loud, but they want to make sure somebody knows, right? Why? Because why? Because the world is known for their sin, and if we're not careful, the church can become known for their sin. If I mention to you a Catholic priest right now, many of you automatically think of people who molest little boys. Why? Because they become known. Not for any good they might do, but for their sin. And so if we're not careful as the church, we can become known for something other than what God intended the church to be known for. I want to be known as a glorifier of Jesus Christ. I want to be known as a worshiper. I want to be known as one who sold out for the cause. 
But it doesn't stop there in these four descriptive terms. He says, who set their minds on earthly things. Now, that never happens in the church. Some of you have already picked up your phone this morning and checked what time your favorite restaurant is open for lunch today. Because you know Brother Roberts is limited now. He's got to be done by 11 so pastor can get up and do But the idea of protecting ourselves from spiritual complacency, how do we do that? What, what is it that, how can I make sure that I don't fall into a greater, or how can I make sure I don't move that, that scale in the wrong direction? How do I protect myself from, from spiritual complacency? I believe that our text gives us six very practical steps that we can take to protect ourselves from complacency. The first one is found in verse 12. Paul says it this way, not as though I had already attained or either were already perfect, but I, he said, I I follow after that if I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I read that about five times and I went apprehend, 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 apprehend. A different translation says it this way. He says, I press to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What are you talking about? You got to remember to whom you belong. Do you know what causes spiritual complacency to to creep in? It's when we don't remember whose we are, right? You you got to know, you know, you you, you got to know that you you are not your own. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we know this, verse 19 20, you are bought with a price. Well, that's great, uh, but I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And and that's the minutiae of everyday life. Uh, But somebody said, well, well, I got the Holy Ghost. I can't be complacent. You got the Holy Ghost, but does the Holy Ghost have you? How, how am I going to defeat complacency? I've got to make sure that I get a hold of the thing that got a hold of me. I got to. There, there's a spirit that wants to. You know, we you know, we talk about it all the time. Pastor mentioned this morning that church at Galatia. They started this thing in the, in the spirit, and they wanted to finish it in the flesh. And if we're not careful, why? Because I'm not apprehended. I'm not apprehending that thing that apprehended me. Listen, there's got to be, how do I move forward? Uh, Anybody ever try to chase a greased pig? When I I was a boy, I attended Brand X Church, and we did this. They dressed us in white pants and white shirts and put us in a mud pit with a greased pig. We were eight. That pig beat us all. We're just trying to catch that thing. You know what? When was the last time you tried to get a hold of God? When was the last time you had enough passion in your spirit that you didn't need a worship leader or a preacher or a teacher or something? When was the last time you found a place and got on your knees and said, God, I need some, not some calamity, not because something was wrong. When was the last time you said, I belong to you, God, and it's not about me today. It's, 
It's an attitude thing, but it begins to creep into our spirit. When was the last time we found a place of prayer? Not because it was called, but because the Holy Ghost got a hold of you and you pulled the car over the side of the road and began to lift your hands and complacency. I don't have time for that. No, no. Nobody's got time for that. But if you, listen, if, it's, if you're going to get a hold of the thing that got a hold of you, it's going to take some submission. It's going to take some time where you say, you know what? I don't belong to myself. My time is not my own. My energy is not my own. My effort is not my own. I am His. I know, I know. Some of you ladies will shop all day in Walmart and Target. You'll wear out a good pair of tennis shoes, but you couldn't come down here and dance a jig if your life depended on it. When was the last time? Listen, Brother Roberts, you need to move on. I'm going to. But listen, you've got to understand we belong to Jesus Christ. He has laid a hold of us. i got to get a hold of him. The enemy knows that if he can get you to forget who you belong to, complacency, it's going to just creep right on in. You know what? Listen, I've been done wrong. I've been treated wrong. I've been overlooked. I've been taken advantage of. None of that matters. I've got to pursue. I've got to press forward. Lord, I gotta go. Let, let me let me let me help you. Let me help you. Judge for yourself. Pastor said, Pastor didn't say, but if Pastor said, we're gonna pray every night. Or we're gonna have three special services. The reaction of your flesh should tell you all you need to know. There's that one in a thousand to go, yeah, pastor. There's two in a thousand to go, yeah, pastor. And there's 998 to go, God, no. Why? Because that spirit, it affects us. Because we don't need church five nights a week. I'm getting what I need on, on, now we went back to Sunday school. And some of you are struggling because 11 o'clock is much easier to make than 10 o'clock. But if you were going to go do your favorite thing, 6 o'clock is not too early. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you know. This is how the, the spirit of complacency gets into, gets into the spirit of the church. And we become, well, I never intended to be an enemy of the cross. I, I never intended for my flesh to be my God. I never intended for destruction. I, I never intended for any of those things to happen. But what happens... A little sleep, just a little slumber, just a little fold of the hands. Well, I, I'm not 32 anymore, and I'm not 42 anymore, and I, it hurts when I, you know, and, and I, I, this arm, you know, I had surgery on this one, and it, it goes, but this one don't quite go as that, 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 you know, I, I got to get some work done over here. You know, no, 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 I belong to Jesus Christ. I belong to him, and if I am going to waste my energy on something else, I want to give twice that much effort to, come on, somebody, why can't we have church every, why can't we? We pray and why can't we do the will of God I rebuke complacency I bind it in the name of Jesus 
Because complacency says it's all about me and I've got this going on and I've got that going on. Paul was in a prison and he said, I'm pressing. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on, somebody. I got to hurry. Number two. Verses 13 through 15. I'm not going to read it all. We read, we, we, we read it. But here's my point. And it's a big, long point. So write this down. Realize that your strength of your relationship with Christ yesterday or today says nothing of your commitment for tomorrow. We can't live in the past. Yesterday's strength, yesterday's breakthrough has no bearing on tomorrow. Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, I don't feel like I'm there yet. Can I tell Living Hope uh, on a Sunday morning in October when the leaves are starting to turn that entitlement is a sister spirit to complacency? My, my godly flesh says, let somebody else do it. My godly flesh says, there's not enough room up there. My godly flesh says, what will somebody think about me? My godly flesh, my, my, my self-serving godly flesh thinks I'm too old for that. You know, I hope I never get too old to worship God. I hope I never get to, come on, if I can't jump, if I can't run, I can still lift my hands. I can still raise my voice. I can still shout with a voice of triumph. This one thing I do, we've heard sermons, we've heard great messages. This one thing I do, I'm forgetting that victory that I got yesterday. I'm not looking back to yesterday. That's what humanity does. You go in your house and you got photos of yesterday and pictures and trophies and all that stuff. I was walking around my dining room the other day. We're getting ready to make some changes in there and I've got, I've got some trophies on the wall. And they're nice and I'm proud of them. And I began to look around and I said, you know what? I haven't added anything to that in years. Been a minute. Been a minute. And I'm like, you know, what about today? And if we're not careful, we can look back and say, you know what? I, I, I defeated whatever six months ago. I defeated whatever 10 years ago. Man, I had a breakthrough back at the old church. I had a break. What, what about this church? What about, come on somebody, hear, hear, hear what I'm saying. This is how entitlement creeps in. You know, I, I went down to that altar three years ago and I raised my hands and I prayed through. Man, I had a breakthrough. That was three years ago. That was three minutes ago. That was three days ago. Come on, entitlement will keep you looking back. But the Spirit of God and the presence of God, the passion for the things of God will keep you moving forward and say, you know what? That was good, but I'm not satisfied with that. I've got more. I want to, come on somebody, i got to get more. i got to do more. i got to, i got to. But the tendency of flesh, whew, I've arrived. I'm the man. I think it's time for me to find me a nice, comfortable place. You go, Pastor. Good job. 
See my gray hair. I got it done, Pastor. You go, oh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. No, no, no. I want to still be that 30-year-old, and I want to be going, come on, preach it again. I've heard that message a hundred times. Preach it again. I know that doctrine. Preach it again. Come on. I'm... Come on, somebody. It's just as relevant when somebody gets the Holy Ghost today as it was 10 years ago. No, come on somebody, I'm talking about defeating the spirit of complacency. It's an attitude that's got to grip us. Paul said, he said that mindset of maturity has to get into the church. Every day is a new day. Every day I'm moving forward. My goal is to mature. My goal is to grow. My goal is to get more of God, not less of God. It's not time to give up or let up, but I've got to press and press and press. Man, we had some great services, Sister Lawrence, in that old church. We've had a couple here. I think it's time we built a few monuments. I think it's time that, that somebody calls the fire department because they see flames coming out from the roof. I think. I remember that old church. We had people that would run around that building and run into poles. I bear about in the body the marks of living hope on Midway Drive. I don't want to see somebody hurt, but somebody ought to run into a pole. Besides Paxton. Paxton's walks into but I'm talking about in the... When was the last time we had a good shout down service? Come on. Well, we're waiting on the Spirit. No, 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 that's not. You get a hold of this thing. You know who you are. You got to say, I'm not waiting. I'm not living on yesterday. We can talk about great services and great messages and come on and great outpourings. Uh, but come on, I wish somebody would run right into a pole. I wish somebody, come on. I'll take my coat off and throw it on them and keep on dancing in the Holy Ghost. Brother Steve, we're, we're mature now. We don't run like we used to. And, and I don't corner as well as I used to. I'm, I'm, I'm a top heavy now. I'm like a weeble and wobble. I get it. You get it. We understand it. But I'm talking to somebody about a spirit of complacency. Complacency wants to let it down. Complacency says, let somebody else do it. Bo, you can't out-worship me. I want to find the young man. Eric, you can't out-worship me. I challenge you, Justin. You cannot out. I'm telling somebody, when was the last time an old man drew a line in the sand and said, you will not out-worship me? Come on, sisters. I'm not leaving you alone. It's time for some of you to throw some bobby pins all over the house because complacency is real. This creeps in. Just a little unawareness. Just a little danger because we did it yesterday. I'm talking. I'm trying to help somebody. I'm giving you some meat of the Word of God. Paul said, I want to be apprehended by the thing that got a hold of me. But I am not going to live on what happened yesterday. I may be locked up in a prison. I may be old and unable. But if I got to lean on a cane like Jacob, I can still magnify the name of the Lord. Amen. The third one is found in verse 16. 
He says, nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. You know what he's saying here? The New Living Translation says it like this. We must hold on to the progress we've already made. The NIV says it this way. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. My point is this. We've got to resist the urge to lower our standards. We got, it's right there in the word. Well, I know we didn't believe in these things back in the 80s and the 90s, but now it's, you know, it's it's 2020, Brother Roberts. I mean, we're starting the third decade of this new millennium, you know, and and, and you're just an old guy, you know, no, 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 no. One of the easiest ways to determine whether you're growing spiritually or you're growing complacent is to evaluate where you are today compared to where you were in the past, at any point in the past. You see, complacency is always giving up ground. And generally, it's ground that was fought for. Can I tell somebody in the Holy Ghost today that what was true today or what was true yesterday is still true today? Complacency says that's old-fashioned. I know, Brother Steve, I'm old, so my fashion might be old too. But that word of God that was true in Paul's day, it's true in our day. What was right back then is right now. What was holy 10 years ago is holy today. But here's how the spirit of complacency begins to affect the church. It just kind of creeps in. It just kind of eases in. And it comes in and it says, you know, we don't need that as much anymore. We don't have to do those same, you know, that's a little outdated. That's a little old-fashioned. No, 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 no. Hey, listen, one of the, this, this, is a, this is a prevalent part of complacency. Listen, as you get older, things are just, they just relax. My daughter looked at me one time. One of her kids was doing something that kids do. Oh, no, it wasn't. That was me. I was playing ball with one of the babies in the house. And my daughter walked in and said, what are you doing? I said, we're playing ball. She said, in the house? I said, yeah. She said, you would have beat us to death for that. I said, yeah. (laughs) You're not a grandkid. You're a kid. You do right. I want you, but I'm wrong in that. I'm wrong in that, but I probably won't change. But spiritually, we can't let those things down that were so true 10 years ago. We still believe in repentance. We still believe that sin is wrong. We still believe that hell is hot and the devil is real. We still believe that everybody must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of every sin. Come on, we still believe that you can't go to heaven without the Holy Ghost. But complacency wants to water that down. Complacency says, man, you've been around for four decades. You, you've been doing this for a while now. You can just ease them. No, 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 no. I want to preach it harder and stronger and longer. That's right. Amen. 
Oh, yeah, I said that. Well, church just takes too long. No, 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 no. You just got you, you got a short attention span. You need to get some passion back. You need to get, you need to say, don't stop preaching, preacher. Don't stop teaching, teacher. Go longer, go deeper, go more. Why? Because the God of my flesh says, Pastor, come on, football's starting. It's, it's, it's October, football's starting at 1 o'clock. I'm pretty sure you got some means to record it, and it'll be there when you get home at 6 o'clock tonight. Paul preached so long till a guy fell asleep, fell out of a window and broke his neck, went over, prayed him back to life, and kept on preaching some more. What... What happened to the 21st century church? Truth is still truth. Right is still right. Come on, somebody. I'm I'm not letting down. Why? Because complacency. That spirit of complacency will push you back. It'll just, and it, it just, you won't even notice. And the next thing you know, you're standing off watching something happen spiritually. Why? Because it's the spirit that's moving in. You just got to understand how much do you study the Bible now compared to 10 years ago? How much prayer are you praying now compared to five years ago? How much resistance do you have the temptation than you had five? How much, how much, how much move that scale? Look at your own life. Be mature about it and be honest about where you are. Well, if the church would do this and the church, no, 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 this is not about the church. This is about you and me. This ain't got nothing to do with leadership. This is about responsibility as a man or woman of God. Where am I at? Well, if y'all teach better lessons, I'm doing my best. If y'all preach better sermons, he's doing his best. If If you can't learn from the word in living hope, there's something broken in your learning ability. It's not the word. The word is not broken. It still works. He sent his word and it healed them. He, come on. His presence still delivers. His, they're still. Every generation, Brother Tyler, gets worse. It just happens. It's just a natural, it's a natural effect. Every generation, we just get older and we just lay down and relax a little bit and it just moves on. And every generation, it's just a natural flow. But somehow we've got to get something in our spirit that says, not here, not me, not now. I refuse. I refuse to let complacency attack my spiritual man. And then 2020 starts. We can't come to church. Can't have church. And if could not come to church wasn't bad enough, go sit in my vehicle and have church. I, 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 I get, no, no, no. Listen, where two or three are gathered together in my name, Amen. there am I in the midst. There, there's still, it's still true. We, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together and so much the more because that day is approaching. It's coming to the church. We need to recognize this. I don't want to be labeled as an enemy of the cross. Number four, I got to hurry. Recognize godly examples. Here's what Paul says in verse 17. Recognize godly examples and follow them. Paul said it this way, be followers together of me 
and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. The Bible gives us clear and specific direction to mark two types of people. Mark those that cause division and mark those that live for God with passion. And it tells us very plainly to get away from one and cling to the other. Listen, don't mark, don't mark someone on YouTube. Don't mark someone on the internet. Don't, don't fall in love with somebody that you don't know because you don't know how they live other than what they're, you're seeing. I've heard so many good people walk up to the pastor and say, I was watching so-and-so and so-and-so, and they did such a good job. Well, you call that so-and-so off the internet when you get sick and see if they'll come pray for you. Paul's not boasting on his ability. He said, you got to find a godly example. I am so discouraged in watching our young men follow LeBron James or, or any other athlete. Listen, that man don't know the first thing about spirituality. He, he don't know how to spell heaven if you gave him an H and a V. He's got nothing going on. But I want to follow a man of God who's got purpose and power and passion. Our conversation shouldn't be about all of this craziness going on in the world. Our conversation should be, did you hear this? Did you hear that? Did you see that? Are you watching that guy and that woman live for God? Come on, I thank God for our elders. There's some good people in living hope, and you ought to take notice and say, I want to model myself after that godly woman. I want to model myself after that godly man. I want to do what they're doing. I want to... Some of you need to turn your Instagram account off and quit worrying about what's going on in the world around you and begin to follow the people of God and the things of God. You... I don't care what Donald Trump, Joe Biden, or any other political person has to say about anything. I want to know what Jason Staten is going to preach from the Word of God. I want to know what my bishop is talking about. I want to know where the power of God is falling. Why? Because it's a, it's a complacent spirit that just creeps in. And you can't live without it. The word of God is going forth and you're checking to make sure that so-and-so ain't said something on Instagram that you can get mad about. Why don't you get mad at that ugly, mean old devil and fall in love again with Jesus Christ? Paul said, I'm pressing, I'm pressing. Follow me as I follow Christ. I know, I know, I'm outdated, I'm old. Turn the news off and start watching somebody who knows something about Jesus Christ. Number five. Verse 20, he said, our citizenship, our conversation is in heaven. We're looking for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I wrote my notes, and I erased them, and I wrote them again, and I erased them, and I wrote them again, and I erased them, and I don't do that. I want to tell you, I love being an American. But my true loyalty has to be Jesus Christ. I want to be a Christian first and an American second. I know, I, I don't, 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 don't misunderstand me. I, I am glad that I was born in this country, live in this country. I, I appreciate all of our freedoms, but my loyalty, your loyalty has to be to the kingdom of God. I, I've got to have an eternal 
perspective. I know, I've, I know I've got an earthly perspective. You've got one. I've got one. We've all got one. But you can tell where you're really at in perspective by your calendar and by your checkbook. Said so Brother Roberts, we know that. No, no, no. I, I'm planning for the future, but I want to live like tomorrow will be in heaven. Amen. That, that label. He labeled them the enemies of the cross because they set their mind, they set their heart on earthly things. The, the Bible tells us very plainly in Colossians chapter 3, if ye be risen with Christ, then set your heart or seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. This is very plain wording. This is very easy to understand. I and you have got to make the same resolution. I've got to have an eternal perspective. I've got to look beyond the end of my checkbook. I've got to look beyond the end of my calendar. I've got to look beyond what's going on right now in my world. Because complacency comes in. And it replaces the passion that we have for Jesus Christ with the things of this world. I watched, I told, I told my son, I watched that debate. I watched the, the president, the president, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, and I told him, I said, I've, I've never been so mad at myself for wasting, and some of you are going to get mad at me for wasting an hour and a half of my time in my words to him to watch two monkeys throw poo at each other. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed that we can't find anyone qualified to run our great country. I'm not trying to be political. I don't care. I, I, you know what? I would have been better off to get my Bible out and read three verses of Scripture than spend an hour and a half of my time listening to nonsense. Uh, I, it's not that I don't care. I'm not, listen, this world is not my home. Uh, come, this is not where I... Listen, I've got to have an eternal perspective. And Joe Biden and Donald Trump, neither one have got that. But... I live to be in the presence of God. That word is truth. It's a light to my path. It's a lamp to my soul. Put my feet. Come on, somebody. Hear what I'm saying. Turn that mess off and focus on the presence of God. An eternal perspective. I've got to have it. You've got to have it. We have got to have it. The final one, I'm out of time. Verse 21 talks about changing our vile body, that it's going to be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. My, my point is pretty simple. Resolve that your spiritual journey is going to last a lifetime. I'm on that downhill slide. I'm 55 now. I mean, that used to be the speed limit. Now everything's faster. So, But I don't know, but somebody might, I might have 20 good years left. And good Lord, maybe, maybe 30. Who knows? But the, the reality for me is that there's, there's more years behind than there are ahead in this life. Come to grips with that. That's what it is. It's, it's a reality of life, and you're going to face that. Everybody's going to face that. But here's my point. Whether this journey lasts 10 days or 10 years or another 100 years, I, I don't know. But whatever it is, I'm going to stay on 
this journey. Sister Lawrence, we defeated some devils. We, we took authority in the spirit realm over some things. And complacency wants to come in and drag us back away so we can fight the same battle over and over and over. That is not the will of God for his people. That is not the will of God for the church. I'm in this thing until Jesus comes or I go by way of the grave. Listen, somebody, this is this. What are you talking about? Well, Brother Roberts, we know this. No, no. This is where the spirit of complacency comes in. We used to, and we, you hear it, you've heard it, you've heard it, because it's the truth. We used to preach a lot more about heaven than we do now. Why? Because our world has changed and everybody wants to live in the moment. And yes, there is a moment. There is a time and we're part of that moment. But there is an eternity. There is a call of God that's going to come. There is a trump that will sound. It's going to come. And you've got to live every moment of every day like that trumpet. Come on, somebody. You've got to have an ear turned. You've got to have a... Per- Why? Because, because that, that spirit of complacency wants to get you busy doing and other things, but somewhere he said, listen, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, but complacency. You can break the spirit of complacency in your life. I'm telling somebody that you can move the needle for your passion. You can do that. The the pastor can't do it, Brother Robert. Your best friend can't do it, but you can do it. But it's going to take some things. You got to remember who you belong to. You got to. No, no, no. Come on. You you gotta you gotta remember. You gotta realize that what you accomplished yesterday hasn't got bearing on tomorrow. I gotta get ready and fight again because today is the day that the Lord has made. The de- the battle's fresh. The battle's new. You gotta realize. I gotta re- I gotta resist that urge to lower the standard. I gotta say, you know what? Let's push the bar higher. Let's push it a little further. Let's go longer than we've gone. I gotta recognize. Those godly examples, and I've got to rebuke and turn off those ungodly examples in my life and begin to follow those, those, some, those folks that have got some corn in the cribs, those folks that have won some battles. I've got to let somebody show me. I've got to find an elder to follow, and I've got to organize my priorities with an eternal perspective. I've got to get some resolve that my journey is going to last Amen. the rest of my life. I don't know how long some of those people have been in the church at Philippi. I don't know how long some of those folks have been in the church of Galatia. Maybe they've been there 30, 40 years. Maybe some of them were elders, maybe, and they all of a sudden made a decision to go back on what they knew to be true. And the Word of God labeled them enemies of the cross. Jesus. Honey, don't let that happen to me. Pastor, don't let that happen to me. Maybe it's not your job. Pastor, it's not your job. It's my job to make sure that doesn't happen to me. Some of you, you've had baby steps. Some of you have got giant steps. Some of you are well down the road. But that road behind me, I want to forget that and I want to press. I want to lean forward in the Holy Ghost. What are you talking about, Brother Roberts? I'm talking about an opportunity. The praise singers are getting ready to come. The word of God's going to come. 
And it's my job to make application. It's my job to say, you know what, that word is for me today. It's my job to take ownership. It's my job to fight. It's my job. Why? Because complacency is a real thing, and it's working in the church. Stand with me. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.